0: Welcome back to the sixth episode of the OJ podcast. I'm your co-host Jeremiah.
1: I'm your co-host Orlando.
0: And what we got first Orlando.
1: So first you know keeping up with the tradition of the podcast you know it's usually it usually happens if we record an episode or we premiered an episode and then boom a trade always happens. No cap. It's, it's a tradition at this point, and that's exactly what happened to us. You know, happened last time, happened this time. So we have a trade that went down. We had Derrick Rose got traded. Eddie to on my
0: wrist. on my wrist. Eddie on my wrist. My bad.
1: <laughs> Derrick Rose <laughs> got traded to the New York Knicks for a Dennis Smith Jr. and a 2021 second-round pick.
0: Uh, D Rose. I like that he gets to reunite with his old coach, um, Tom Thibodeau. I think it was more of a, I think it was a mutual thing with, uh, Derek Rose and the Pistons. Cause you know, he told the, he told Dwayne Casey, no, he just wanted the chance to, you know, be able to win and make the playoffs. So, and plus the next, you know, our up and coming team, we'll get into that a little bit later, but, um, and the trajectory that they're going at right now in the season that they're having. And plus, you know, for him to go back to a coach who's, who's witnessed two huge moments in his career where, you know, he, he injured his left ACL in the playoffs um, in 2012. And then, you know, to tear his right meniscus, uh, the, the season after that in 2014, you know, to go back to that same coach who was there with you in two of the lowest points of your career, you know, is pretty cool. And, I think it's a good fit for, you know, both both teams involved. And, you know, Dennis Smith as well. I think he'll do well in uh, Pistons. You know, they're a young team. So, it'll give him a chance for him to, you know, solidify himself in the lineup and just prove himself to the league.
1: Yeah, so he got traded to the Knicks because he wanted to go to the playoffs. I don't know how exactly I feel about that. Now – I, I hope I'm one of the ones that hope that the next stay in the playoffs, you know, they've had a, a long drought where they, they haven't been in the playoffs. They haven't been contending for any playoff spots. And now they're they're finally in this place where they're going to the playoffs. But I do feel like I want them to take like a good approach to making the playoffs and not do the, the typical Nick thing to do, which is like trade everybody to try to get like win now pieces when the roster is not really built for win now. Right, it's more of like you know, content for the playoffs. Try to like get that experience to your players, but don't sacrifice like your young core that you have right now.
0: Also, I think uh, D Rose is going to be a good a good mentor for Emilio Quickly, who know who's a good young guard that many around the Knicks organization, you know, players, coaches are really high on. So I think to have a mentor like D. Rose, who's been through pretty much everything, you know, he's had his highs, you know, youngest MVP ever in NBA history to the lows of tearing both uh, ligaments in his knees. So he's a guy who could give him a lot of experiences that will help him in the future and become a pretty solid player in the league.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that because it started with the Pistons and the the Pistons wanted Derrick Rose to be like that mentor for Killing Hayes. But I'm guessing now that Killian Hayes got hurt, it kind of like changed the way they want to take the route. Right. Because when you're hurt, you know, they they it's not like that much Derrick Rose could teach you if you can't like fully do it. So it's it's good that he's going to the next to now have another another young player that he can mentor and kind of like bring up to understand like the NBA flow and NBA mind.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: And. But anyway, back you know, back straight to the to the trade. Trading the they traded Dennis Smith Jr. in a twenty twenty one second round pick, which is they literally got their gross for free. Right. Because Smith Jr. was in the G League. He who wasn't he wasn't really doing anything for the Knicks. He wasn't playing for them. That's why they sent him down to the G League. And he really wasn't – I don't know if it wasn't he wasn't good in their system or wasn't just good in general. I think it's
0: just he wasn't getting enough playing time, you know. Uh, the Knicks were stat guard-wise. You know, Alfred Payton, who's been playing, you know, pretty solid basketball lately. Uh, they had uh, Frank Nile- uh who's also a pretty solid guard as well. So they were pretty stat, and, you know, the depth was real. So it wasn't really enough space for Dennis Smith Jr. to, to you know – to get playing time but I thought it was really sh- surprising for me for him to ask to actually go down to the G League you know instead of the team just sending sending them down there you know he he asked himself to go down to the league G League I thought that was pretty pretty noble of him
1: yeah I agree I think he he wants to get like that playing time he he looks like a player that he wants to improve like he's not gonna like sit there collect the check and then Hopefully, when the contract's up, try to get a new contract. No, he wants to improve. And that's what I like about him. I don't know about the depth you were saying about the Knicks and the guard route. Because, like, they have guards, but they're not great guards. Like, you know, I don't see Everett Payton as that really good guard on the Knicks. I don't see – Frank Nelkin is good defensively. He can't bring that, like, defensive kind of playmaking type of guard that the Knicks need. I don't know. Everett Payton this year, no, he's
0: been pretty solid, I think. You know, from from – what from what like we're used to seeing him, you know, he yeah, he's usually not consistent, you know, with the ma- with the magic, he would have those spurts, you know, but he was never really that consistent. But like to see him, you know, on a more steady pace of playing, I think it's pretty good to see.
1: I mean, he's definitely improved. But the thing about pain that really limits like the team he's with is his, his three point. Like once once you if you have a point guard who can't shoot the three, it really limits what you can do on the floor. And that's what I see with Alfred Payton. Um when he was on the Magic, me being a Magic fan, I had there was a lot of Magic fans who like loved Alfred Payton, and I looked at him and I was like, He's the downfall of this team right now. Because <laughs> the man couldn't shoot a three, and then the team was like how bent on this is gonna be the future of the guard position. I'm like, are you what are y'all looking? What are y'all seeing him?
0: They were it, blinded by the hair, bro.
1: They were. I mean he doesn't have the hair now, so like what are the Knicks blinding by this time? But um Smith Jr., hopefully he gets like a good time in it to improve on the on the pistons and the the, the second round pick, it's like a, a second round pick doesn't mean anything. Yeah, the pistons they're they're
0: they're wide open. Like there's no there's no solidified starting guard as of right now. I mean maybe you could say DeLon Wright right because he's been playing well lately, but Other than him, there's really no front runner. You know what I mean? You know, besides Jeremy Grant, like, you don't know, you don't know where, where you're going to get that extra production for. So Smith Jr. could be that slot to, to be able to, you know, give the Pistons that necessary production because, you know, Blake Griffin, he's clearly not the same anymore, you know, after, you know, all of his injuries. And as you said, uh, he's like one of those players that peaked kind of early. So, yeah, the Pistons. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of available minutes out there, and I think then Smith Jr. is gonna, you know, acquire some of that.
1: Yeah, and I think even even when Killian Hayes comes back, I think there's still space there for for Smith Jr. to perform because you could put um DeLon Wright to the shooting guard with Killian Hayes, and then continue having Smith as like your backup. Exactly. So there's there's definitely space for him. And on the Derrick Rose side, I always find it funny how every time Thibodeau gets a team, he's coaching a team, he needs Rose. Like he'll mm. do whatever whatever needs to be done to get their girls on his team because it happened with the Timberwolves. That's happening with the Knicks. Yep, Bulls, the Bulls. Yeah, we're all starting. It's like Thibodeau, in a sense. I kind of like Thibodeau stuck on that like that team, that nostalgia of the team where he needs, he feels comfortable and kind of like needs them players on his team.
0: But hey, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna get to a little later. But look how they're playing though. Like they're they're a top six team in, in the East right now, so they must be working somehow.
1: I mean, hopefully you keep it up and like, like I said in the beginning, continue, continue like improving your your young core. Facts. like you got the veterans, but make sure like the veterans are teaching the young core to like move forward and don't do like the Nick thing where it's like we have these veterans. Let's trade a young pieces for more veterans to try to continue being in the playoffs. Like, don't do that, please.
0: Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, moving on now for the next topic. I think we have an interesting quote from Draymond Green that he was saying, you know, he, he was basically talking about um, the Andre Drummond situation. So he was saying how Andre Drummond, you know, was on the sidelines and they told him to like, go back, get back into street clothes because there was, there was a potential of him being traded. And then he was comparing that to, to James Harden being traded and how James Harden um, was basically, you know, telling the Houston Rockets, he wants to be traded. And then all of the fans were like, on James Harden because we didn't we didn't like the way James Harden was treating it. So now Green Draymond Green thinks there's like a double standard here between a player axing to be traded and then the team trading a player.
0: Facts. Um, I don't like how the Cavs really handled Andre Drummond. You know, I understand he you're moving on in a different direction. You know, you like Jared Allen and and I agree with, with the decision, but to just have him sit and you know he can play. It's, I don't see the point in that. It doesn't help you and it doesn't really help the player at all. So I don't really like how they're just going to just sit him down and just wait for somebody to trade for him when, you know, he's an active player and he's a guy that could give you some valuable minutes. So why not just play him until you trade him? So I see where Draymond's coming from in regards to that. You know, I, there is a double standard when it comes to, you know, the league and the, the way the league and players are, you know, viewed in certain in certain instances, you know. Because a team can requ- can request for a guy to to trade, but there's no problem, you know, there's no media backlash or nothing. But like something like a you know James Harden, well, yeah, well, yeah, he was he was he was acting out of his nature, but he w- he's still a player at the end of the day, and and you know the media was just dogging him and dogging him and dogging him. But yeah, it makes sense. So it's different.
1: I see what he means. It is different when a player requests a trade and a team requests a trade. So I kind of agree with him, and at the same time, I don't agree with him because I think I don't think there's a double standard between the the team and then like the player. Like, of course there is, but I think within within those two ways of a trade, there's like a different a different aspect to each individual trade. Like, you could have a player who, who James Harden, who has a team who has built around him, and then you know he can't bring that team to that playoffs, and he's like, I'm tired of going forty. I want to get traded too. The, the Nets who have, like, two top five players in, in the game right now. Yeah, that's different between him acting that and then a player who's been on – like Bradley Beal, who's been on the Wizards, and then the Wizards have not been going anywhere. If Bradley Beal asked for a trade, I wouldn't even be mad because, right. you know, the team hasn't been doing anything to help him go, get to the playoffs. James Harden's team was in the playoffs, and now he just he – just, he, in a sense, he wanted to take the easy way out. He wanted to go with, like, more stars and more players. And then with Drummond, if a team trades a player, I think there's also two two aspects of it. On if they, if you're telling like a player, like I think back when Blake Griffin got traded from the Clippers, the Clippers told Blake Griffin that he was safe. Like they signed him to that contract. They was like, "You're gonna be like a core of this team," and then they tra- they just traded him away. Yeah, I cat. think I think that was that's a bad situation. But then if the team goes to the players and be like, hey. We're probably not making the playoffs this season. We know you're a good contributor to a playoffs team. We're going to sit you out to avoid you getting injured so that way we could find a trade so you could go to a team that, that makes it to the playoffs and you could contribute and show your value to that team in the rest of the league.
0: Right, but I see what you're saying. But if he's active and he can play, doesn't that sort of do something to his value if he's just sitting on the bench and not doing anything at all? Like, how does that help him as a player, though? How does that help the player?
1: I think it just helps the player in the sense like they don't they don't want him to get hurt. Like we don't we don't want uh, well they don't want like them to play Draymond out there and then he gets hurt and then you know they they can't do anything with Draymond. They can't they can't trade Draymond to a to a contender for him to show his value cuz he's injured and then you know the season's gone for him now. True. So I think they just wanted to be in the safe side of, you know, sit sit out s- save all your energy so that way when when we do trade you, and then you go to a playoffs team, now now you have all that energy, and now you could show your value to the team, and you know hopefully get the contract that you want when when the time's up.
0: What what do you would you say there's a team that you know that could use Drummond's services? Like, do you see any teams that could possibly use him at the moment to
1: give him an extra you know lift? Um, I feel like there's a lot of teams out there. The the thing that really that really's worrying with with Drummond is his his contract. Cause I think he's making like twenty five million around around that range. Yeah, he's getting paid. Yeah, he's definitely getting paid, and I, I'm, he probably won't get paid like that oh, next contract for sure. But I think there's a lot of teams out there who need who need a center. Teams like we definitely know the Nets need a center. We know what other team comes to mind? Celtics. The Celtics need need a center. The, the even the Raptors need a center because the Raptors lost all their front court that they really. Them centers. So there's definitely teams that could use Andre Drummond. It's just a matter of how can they get him with his contract.
0: True. 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 But do you think there are any teams on the West Coast that could use the services, though?
1: I mean, yeah, even on the West Coast, because you got like the Warriors. The Warriors don't have the big men right now, just because Weissman is injured. So now you don't have you don't have any big men. So using Drummond would be good for them. You know, maybe maybe even Kelly Oubre for Drummond. Cause Kelly Oubre doesn't really fit in with the Warriors.
0: Yeah, he's he's trying his hardest right now. It's it's weird. It doesn't look right.
1: Yeah, I just I, at first it looked like he was like it was a good piece for the Warriors, but now it's like he's not really fitting in. Yeah,
0: but I think it's because of Andrew Wiggins. Because I don't think Andrew Wiggins was really because we know he's a scorer and everything, but I don't think many thought that he would be able to you know implement himself into their system so quickly the way he has, and you know he's playing a lot more efficient basketball. And he's playing. He's been, you know, playing both sides of the ball. Really, you know, uh, he's been a pretty good, solid two-way player, and that's pretty much been his knock over his career. So Andrew Wiggins is especially not helping Kelly Oubre's case in a sense.
1: What do you think? What do you think was the cause of of that? Like everybody said, like Wiggins was was terrible in the Timberwolves, and now he just picked it up in the Warriors.
0: To be honest, it's Steve Kerr, it's just a system, and you know, you got guys like Draymond Green. Who don't take no BS, you know, you gotta play hard. Like you gotta play both sides of the ball. Like you see how he gets on James Wiseman, he's only a rookie. So, you know, Draymond Green, he doesn't take no BS from anybody, you know, not even Steph or Clay, you know. So Draymond Green to have guys like Draymond Green and then the culture that the Warriors have, you know, set up where it's just like excellence. It's just it gotta be excellent. So like you have to, you know, play well in situations like that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, do you think do you think because I remember back when Jimmy Butler was was on the Timberwolves and then they had that whole debacle of, you know, the team. The team doesn't have, like, that fighting spirit and he was trying to bring it into it. what, What do you think about that? Like, Andrew Wiggins was a part of the issue.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say Andrew Williams. I think it's just the same thing with culture. Like Jimmy Butler right now, you know, he's he's flour- he's flourishing in, in Miami right now with the heat. You know what I mean? And it's because of the culture, you know, they play hard, they play both sides of the ball, you know, and he fits that. He's that guy, you know what I mean? And in, in, in Minnesota, I don't really feel like they enforce that really as much as they as they should. You know what I mean? Like look at Carl Anthony Towns, you know, he's a he's a he's a problem on the offensive end. You know, but not many – he's not really that that active on the defensive end. You know what I mean? And I think it has a lot to do with coaching. It has a lot to do with, you know, how things have been going, you know, in the past and things of that nature. Just letting things like that slide where you only got to play one end of the of the floor. You don't got to play both ends of the floor. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it just has something to do with the culture.
1: Yeah, I think culture – and the NBA culture matters a lot. Like, I, the teams with a good culture are usually the ones that succeed – and if you don't have no culture, you're usually stuck at the bottom of the barrel.
0: Yeah, it took me a, a while to realize that, you know, I, I was never really, you know, that informed about cultures and it really didn't care that much. I just used to be like, you know, what was the score and things of that nature? Like, how much is this guy scoring? But then when you actually like watch the game and you get to like really analyze it and see what's going on, like culture really plays a big part in like, you know, championships and things of that nature. Like, you know, like I said with Andrew Wiggins and how he went to the Warriors and, and he, um, basically, like, had to, you know, play into their culture, you know what I mean? And, you know, you got guys like Draymond who don't ex- who don't accept no BS, you know what I mean? And, like, LeBron, like, how he changed, you know, he didn't really change the Lakers culture, but he kind of, like, brought it back to life because you needed a guy like LeBron to bring the Lakers culture back to life, you know, since Kobe retired and everything like that. They needed a guy to, you know, bring them back. So, like, LeBron, uh, the way he just magnifies the whole team and just brings the whole team together, you know, you need players like that. So, yeah, I think uh, Andrew Wiggins really benefited from something like that.
1: I think I think every time LeBron goes to a team, LeBron is the coach of that team. No
0: cap. You don't need you don't need to hire a coach, bro. You don't.
1: You just have LeBron there and LeBron does everything. What about with the Heat though? With the Heat, no, the Heat, cause. I'm saying, like, current LeBron. Like, current LeBron now, he's the culture. But I think when LeBron first went to the Heat, he needed to go to the Heat because LeBron didn't understand the culture aspect of the NBA and, like, how to be a winner. Because mm. that that 20, I think 2011, when LeBron was, like, just terrible in the playoffs, that was like kind of his experience of, like, you no, know, it was your fault because Wade showed up, Bosh showed up, you didn't show up because you didn't have that winning mindset because you were literally, like, the star of the Cavs since you worked, walk, first walked in. So then going to the Heat who have that culture of you have to be a hard worker, you have, to, you have to show us that you can do this, it kind of brought that mindset to him, okay, so this is what I need to do to win in the NBA. So it's kind of like LeBron, LeBron first needed the Heat to be the LeBron that he is today in a sense. Woo! Damn! God Damn! I mean, I've I've always thought about that. I'm always surprised people don't bring that aspect more. Jeez, Le- bro, LeBron was not a winner until he went to the Heat and understood what it means to be a winner. No cap. Nobody nobody really understood that, and I'm yeah. I'm surprised nobody said, talks about that. Same things
0: happening with, with Wiggins. I'm not saying not. I'm not saying Wiggins is LeBron. He's not the player that LeBron. Is. I'm just saying, you know, when you're coming from a culture of just blah, 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 go play basketball, go go do this, just go run around and score points to like, hey, this is how we do it. There's a structure that we have to follow. There's a system we have to follow. You don't want to follow the system, you could get out. Or you could just, you know, uh, play by the system. And Wiggins has just bought into the system and
1: he's playing the best basketball of his career. Yeah, I think there's there's teams, teams and players who have that 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 culture, that system, yeah. and a lot of casual NBA fans don't realize it. Cause the NBA, there's a lot of aspects of the NBA that you can't notice on like the the scoreboard when you look it up. That you have to see on the eye test. Like a player could score zero, like Draymond. Draymond's not a scorer, but then and on the score sheet he has like what he could have like five assists and five rebounds. But you you look at him play and you know he makes a difference on that team. His impact,
0: his impact on the game. Stats can't measure impact. They can't.
1: Exactly. Stats can't measure impact. Stats can't measure the culture of that team. Like the heat when they bring in this these random shooters out of nowhere, like Duncan Robinson. Like that that's all about the culture. Like they they look at the hard workers exactly. and then propel them to be excellent because of it.
0: Yeah. That's all that's all really Jimmy talks about, you know. Like when uh when they were in the finals and everything and then the heat were getting a lot of well, not really the Heat, but Jimmy was getting a lot of interviews. He was just saying, like, these guys that are on this team, you know, they're just they're just gym rats, you know, Tyler Hero, uh, very hard workers. Jay Crowder, you know, all those guys, they're just very, very hard workers. Bam, you know, hard workers. So, you know, players take notice to that, and that's really important when you're trying to, you know, establish a culture.
1: Yeah, I think culture is probably, like, the, the biggest impact on the NBA right now.
0: Shoot, that's the word of the podcast today.
1: Culture, culture. culture. You want me to go on Google? You want me to define culture? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no cap, no cap.
1: So now moving on to the next topic. You know, I think we're we're close to the halfway point of the season. I think we're seventy-two games of the season, so halfway point would be about thirty-six games, I believe. So I think we're at the point where each team has played like thirty. 30ish games. Yep. So I think this will be a good time for us to, you know, sit down, look at the teams and see who we think has been overperforming and underperforming compared to where we thought the team would be coming into this season. So we can start off looking at, at teams who who have overperformed in your opinion.
0: So one of the teams that I have so far is the Utah Jazz. Um they're number 1 in the West right now currently and I think they're just playing tremendous basketball right now. Um, I think you're really starting to see, you know, how much uh, Bogdanovich was really missed. Bojan Bogdanovich, you're starting to really see how much he was missed um, last year in the playoffs. Because um, he's just a guy, you know, that could just, you all, it's, it's always good to have multiple shooters on the floor. And he's a guy that could, you know, stretch the floor and could really hit the hit the three-point shot from, a, from an efficient clip. So I think they really missed him a lot and they're glad to have him back right now. And he's been just playing great. Donovan Mitchell, you know, Donovan Mitchell's is Mitchell. He's pretty much carried over the basketball that he, was, that he was playing in the bubble into this season, and he's just been the same that we've all expected from him. Rugo Bear is just, you know, that solid run protector, you know, the $200 man, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there. I had to throw that in there. But, um, yeah, you know, $200, man, you know, he he's just going to be that solid rim protector for you. And it's just important, you know, that's what, that's what separates the, the good teams from the great teams, you know. It's just everybody knowing their role, but it's not only everybody knowing their role, but everybody fulfilling their role and, you know, and doing their role. So everybody on that Jazz team, they know their role. They know what they have to do, and they're all fulfilling their role, which is why they're one of the top teams in the West right now. And they're gonna be a tough team when it comes. They're gonna be a tough team, you know, when it comes to playoffs, and they're gonna be a tough out for sure.
1: You know, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think the Jazz have really overperformed from where I thought they'd be. Right. I thought, you know, they'd be like a middle of the pack to like end end of the playoff, like seven AC type of type of team. So just having them right now be be the number 1 seed out of, out of the West. The West was probably like the most competitive and toughest conference in the NBA and them to be first has really over overperformed and over, you know, my expectations of them. They've over-exceeded my expectations for them. Like they're hired in the Lakers, right? Exactly. The like the defending champions they're hired on them right now. Crazy. And you know, I agree with what you said. Like the team it, it feels like they went in they they looked at you know, what was doing well for them and what wasn't, especially in that bubble run, and they've kind of solidified the roles of each individual person.
0: Also, I think, you know, in a time that we're playing in right now where, you know, COVID and postponement of games, for them to still play at this level that they're playing at, even during these tough times, you know, games being canceled, you not knowing how many days of practice you're going to have, you know, just things of that nature, you know, it's a lot less practicing going on with teams. So for them to just be able to just continue to just – Block out all the noise and just continue, to just play basketball and play efficient basketball. Is just amazing. Jazz
1: and Kobe. That's an interesting conversation. <laughs> I, I
0: was I wasn't gonna bring it up, but hey,
1: no, no, but but you know, seriously. We, we, besides all the jokes that we make about Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert really is a good player for that team, oh, yeah. and he really holds down the the defense. Like he's basically the defense of that team. Yeah, that he, he's limited on the offensive end, so it's good to know that the Jazz understand that and has gotten players to better work around around there. I'm glad Mitchell has been able to keep up his his performance from the bubble. And it, it wasn't just a fluke. He's been able to do it.
0: Also, Mike Conley, you know, he's back healthy. You know, he's been playing, you know, tremendous basketball as well. I know, you know, uh, on his Instagram, he was like, uh, he thinks he should be an all-star reserve. I don't think he's been playing that well, but he's been playing for what they need of him. He's been doing amazing.
1: You literally took the words out of my mouth because I was going to go with Mike Conley next. But, yeah, Mike Conley – comparing Mike Conley from, like, the way he was playing last year to this year, it's like a complete different turnaround. It looked like that trade from Mike Conley last year was bad for the Jazz because he was just playing awful in their system and he wasn't fitting in. And now – now it's just he like he did a complete different turnover, and now he looks like he fits with that team. He understands his role in that team and what he has to do to make that team do well.
0: Yeah, it seems like he's a lot more comfortable, you know, in that role. And the Jazz, for for some reason, they did. I didn't think of that they would be before coming into this year, but they're they're a really balanced team. when you think about it from from top to bottom. Like they're a really balanced team. They have a little bit of everything. They have a defensive anchor. You know, they have three point shooters. They have a primary scorer that could just, that they could just give the ball to crunch time. You know, so they have it all. It's just a, how long they can they keep this up for? And that's just going to play a tremendous part in how far they go.
1: Yeah, I think also, also the coaching. The coaching has been well done on that team to understand, like, you know, this is what you need to do. This is the place that we need to run that suit better our team to succeed their chances of winning. And now, you know, again, back to the team, like, Outside of that starting lineup, like also you know you got you got Bogdanovich who was missing in the bubble, and he was able to come back and you know provide more scoring to them. But now you also have Jordan Clarkson mm. who who has been playing out of his mind off the bench and might potentially be like a a six man of the year candidate this year.
0: Yeah, he's 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 in the running for sure. He's got to be top three in the voter for sure.
1: Yeah, because he's he's been doing amazing, great things off that bench and just overall the team the team has been doing amazingly well and completely exceeded my expectations because first seed, I did not see the Jazz being a first seed. Yeah.
0: I've always liked Jordan Clarkson. You know, I knew he had potential. It just took some time for him to just find his role that best that best suited him. You know, I don't, I don't think he was necessarily a starting guard in the league. You know, I don't think that best fit his, what he can do, what he can bring to the table. But, you know, his role with the Jazz and how he's just able to come off the bench and, you know, be that scoring punch that they need, you know, in the six-man rotation, you know, I think that's really good. And he found his role and he's exactly like I said earlier, you know, he's fulfilling his role. Everybody knows their role and everybody's
1: doing their role. Yeah, and it's important to to think about, too, because Clarkson's a, a shooting guard, and then Mitchell's a shooting guard. So I think when we first when they when they first traded for him, it was like, how well is it going to work out? Because, you know, you want to give Clarkson a good amount of minutes for us Mitchell. But now, you know, they've been able to find that perfect balance on not just between them, but the team overall.
0: Yeah, Clarkson's playing amazing. He's playing amazing basketball. All right, so the second team that I have that's overperforming is the New York Knicks. The New York Knickerbockers. Yeah, I think the Knicks are playing uh really good basketball this year. You know, Tom Thibodeau has really turned this franchise around, and they're playing just amazing basketball right now. Julius Randle, he's playing some of the best basketball of his career this year. And just for Tom Thibodeau to be able to just bring together that young team and for them to just perform so well is just pretty good. You know, they're a really young team, so many – I, I for sure didn't think that they would, you know, be performing as well as they did. But to have a coach like Tom Thibodeau that's going to hold you accountable and things of that nature is really important. You know, I was watching an interview about Julius Randle. He um he he had a he was doing a podcast with JJ Reddick, and he was just talking about how Wes Unsell, who was the GM of the Knicks, he just came to him and asked him, like, what do you need from us? And Julius Randle was like, I just need a coach that's going to hold me accountable. and Tom Thibodeau, he's the coach that's going to hold you accountable. He's going to play you hard. He's going to coach you hard. He's going to do what he has to do for, for the whole team to get the job done. And, you know, the team, it's a team full of hard workers. You know, a lot of young players who, who want to prove themselves and prove that they're solid players in the league. You know, R.J. Barrett, you know, Emmanuel Quickly, those guys are are workhorses. You know, they stay in the gym constantly. So it's, I think that's a match made in heaven with him and Tom Tom though. And also I think Kenny Payne was one of the low key like one of the low key sneaky good hires that many didn't really pay too much attention to in the offseason. You know, for him to be able to to play to coach some of his former players, you know, Julius Randle, Nerlens Noel, Emmanuel Quickly, all those guys for him to you know be able to coach those guys again, you know, Kevin Knox as well. For him to be able to coach those guys again. And I think that's really motivating for the players that they able to play with a coach that was with them for a long period of time, you know, that, that recruited him, that recruited them from high school. So it's pretty much like you're playing with your same coach from high school all the way to the NBA. So I think that's another motivating factor for, for some of the players on the Knicks and also, you know, Tom Dibbido it's a reunion for them as well, you know, with Taj Gibson and Derek Rose. So he gets to play with some of his former players as well. So I think the whole team is just motivated and, and you know, Tom Thibodeau is giving them that confidence that they need that they can win every game. Like they're not just gonna be an easy dub for teams in a regular season. Like, no, we're gonna compete and we're gonna do what we gotta do.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with everything. Um interesting the the Kenny Payne thing. That's something I didn't really think about. So that's something that I, I you know you mentioned and I just thought about it. it's like, damn, you you bring up a really good point that I really that I didn't really cross my head. So That's good. And then, you know, just just the Knicks. I expected the Knicks to be that team, you know, back in the lottery, you know, end end of of their conference. And just, I felt them to be, like, coming in, I thought they were going to be, like, just um, play their players and really, like, get them in the flow of the NBA. And then by the deadline, be kind of like a seller on, like, their top players. And by top players, I mean, like, their top veterans. Like, I guess Payton like, try to sell him when his value is high or something. Right. But them to just come in here and be playoff contenders, and I think that's something that I didn't really view them being this season. I thought they were still, like, two, three seasons away from them. So them being here and doing this is, is great for them. And I guess... Tom Thibodeau plays a lot into that because you know, when he comes into a team, he he needs to be in the playoffs. Like he's not he's not a coach that's gonna come into a team to help them rebuild. He's a he's a he's a coach that's gonna come in and will do whatever he has to do to get that team to the playoffs, and that's what he's done with the Knicks. Which is what I what
0: we were talking about earlier, which is why I don't think Tom Thibodeau and the Timberwolves were a great fit because you know, Timberwolves never really had that culture of playing hard or, you know, we're gonna, you know you know, implement this type of culture into this team. Like, no. Like, they've never been a, the type of team where, like, I know the Timberwolves are going to play hard tonight. Like, they've never been that type of team. So, for Tom Thibodeau to be able to start fresh with a new team full of young guys who are motivated and want to play hard and want to win, it's a match made in heaven, I
1: think. Yeah, and it's another team where they, they've they kind of um, understood on how to play together. Well, uh, Julius Randle has been playing better than last year under Thibodeau. Quickly has been amazing this season. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a player that wasn't on my on my radar as much, and not just seeing him play in the NBA has really, you know, brought eyes to him and then to that team.
0: Yeah, for a rookie, he's he's pretty solid.
1: Yeah, he's 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 a good um, um, point guard that the Knicks kind of really need in that that guard spot. So the Knicks, another team who has been uh, doing amazing things and has completely overperformed my expectations.
0: Were there any teams that I miss?
1: Uh, so I have two teams that I think have overperformed that you haven't mentioned yet. So first off is the Hornets.
0: Okay. The
1: Hornets, I think the Hornets did great and they you know they've really bumped up their their team with the additional LaMelo and Gordon Haywood. I just didn't expect them to be in the playoffs. And looking at them now even if they they were to slip slip down a little bit, I think they'd still be in like that playing tournament. So either so being in that playing tournament, being in the race for that playoffs, is something that I didn't think that the Hornets were going to be in this season. I thought maybe maybe next season, but this season has definitely overperformed what I expected from them.
0: I think Terry Rozier is playing some of the best basketball of his career this year. He's been really efficient from the field. You know, he's shooting close to fifty percent from the field, uh, close to forty five percent from three. Terry Rozier has been playing really well. Lamelo Ball, he's he's been better than what I thought he would be. I mean, I knew he was going to be amazing, you know. I thought it would take more time than it has taken, but he's been playing tremendous. Like, he's just playing like he belongs here. Like, he was made for this moment. So, Lamelle Ball is playing well. Gordon Hayward, I wasn't really too sure on the contract this year. On Last year that he signed, uh, that was... A fat contract. Fat contract. But, um, I wasn't too sure on that, but after seeing them play and everything of that nature, it seems... Like, the Hornets are clicking this year, and they're playing great basketball.
1: Yeah, you know, they really are clicking. And, um, you know, they just brought in LaMelo into the starting lineup, and LaMelo has been playing out of his mind at that starting role. And, you know, uh, uh that that front court, they have right now, like, Cody Seller starting. And Cody Seller was, like, in my mind, like, a weak, a weak center. Kind of in a sense. But he's actually been doing pretty pretty great things with that that he's been he's been doing what he needs to do with that Hornets team to bring wins to them and kind of better flow that team together and know his world together.
0: Yeah, I think they were really missing him earlier in the season and to have him back I think is gonna be a tremendous increase for them. And they really needed him. You know, Bismi Biyamo, he's good and all, but he's kind of limited to, you know, the paint. Cody Zeller is a guy who can, you know, hit that mid-range jumper if you need him to. And, you know, stretch the floor just a little bit. So I think they really missed him in the beginning of the season. But to have him back and then I think the Hornets and Hole are starting to gel a little bit better.
1: Yeah, so they've, they've definitely over overperformed in my mind yeah. on what they can do. And then the next team that I have here overperforming is the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. The Spurs, you know, last season they they missed the playoffs, and everybody thought, you know, this is it's the Spurs' time is up. Like the Spurs have had a, an amazing dynasty, making the playoffs for twenty two years, was it? Yeah. Jeez, so it was, it was, it was. It's a crazy how the Spurs have been able to do that, it's especially due to like. The amazing coach that Greg Popovich is. So now they missed the playoffs last season, and everybody thought was like, you know, the Spurs, the Spurs time is up. It's time for them to to finally go into that rebuild and look to like that next phase, like tank, rebuild, and kind of remake your roster again. But no, the Spurs, another team with great culture. You know, they they went out there, they played team basketball, and team basketball equals to winning basketball. You know, right now they're six in the conference. They they're sixteen and eleven, so they've been playing amazing amazing basketball when most people thought you know they that they weren't gonna be in this some people even i think some people even had them being like the worst team in the west wow. and for them to be up here being in the conference when you see other teams who we expected to be in the playoffs struggling right now it really goes to show how great they have they've been and how popovich has kind of gone back to okay we have to play team ball and we have to excel and be better than we were last time
0: sure they must have thought the Timberwolves was in the east <laughs> Shit. Timberwolves have been bad. Spurs can never be that bad. You can never count against Greg Popovich. I'm not going to lie. Like he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, I think in my opinion. So, I'm not it's not really too surprising for me to see them playing as well, but for them not to make the playoffs and and be number 6 in the West currently is pretty pretty solid. But it's Greg Popovich. So, you can never bet on bet against him. You know like Super Bowl, you can't bet against Brady. So can't bet against proper bitch either.
1: Yeah, and even even uh, players on that team have have really stepped up and contributed. Because nights and I look at who, who was the top scorer on the Spurs, and every night it's kind of like a little different on who it is. Like sometimes it'll be Murray, sometimes it'll be White, sometimes Demar, um, LaMarcus when he wasn't injured. So you know, kind of goes to show that you have they don't have that superstar in a sense, mm-hmm. but they have they have the team players in the
0: team. ball. DeMar DeRozan is a really solid playmaker. I'm, I didn't really think of him as a playmaker in the past with the Raptors and everything. You know, I thought he was just, you know, a scorer and a shot creator pretty much, but he's, he's really, you know, up this playmaking this year and he's been a playmaking for a while, but I didn't really pay it pay that much attention to it until this year though, but he's been playing really solid basketball.
1: Yeah, I think the Spurs have really figured out what the Mars role is because right. I think he we kind of struggled and think like the Mars wasn't doing good and it was mainly because they couldn't find where where the Mars fits in first. You know, he was he was the shooting guard for the Raptors, then he was the small forward with the Spurs, and now he's even playing some power forward. So they really found the best role for him of being, you know, he can still. Shoot uh, at that mid range where he feels comfortable, but he could, you know, go and drive, you know, try to do that playmaking that he's so good at, but nobody ever took advantage of it. And also, I think he's kind of improved his three point in the season too. So, goes to show how good this spray system is.
0: Shooting a career high right now, it's crazy.
1: Okay, and that's that's basically all the teams I have um, overperforming. So I guess now we could go into the teams who are underperforming.
0: So one team that I have that's underperforming right now is the New Orleans Pelicans. I personally thought, you know, that Stan Van Gunning was gonna be able to, you know, change this team around and, you know, get them to play harder, you know, and just turn them around and turn them into a winning franchise. But so far, you know, it hasn't been the case, that case so far this season, you know, they're currently, you know, the bottom of the West right now, they're number 12 in the West right now. So they're, they're really not playing, you know, as I thought they would, uh, I thought Lonzo Ball was going to take an extra leap this year. So far, lately he's been playing well, but you know, in towards the start of the season, I thought he was going to be able to you know take that extra leap and take that extra and take that next step and evolutionize his game you know into stardom. But so far, it hasn't been that well so far for Lonzo. So I'm wait, I'm still waiting on that Zion. You know, he's been playing like an all star this year. He's been amazing. Uh, but other than that, I just thought they haven't really taken that next step that I thought they would, especially with the hiring with the hiring of Stan Van Gundy.
1: So I I agree to a certain extent with you because I thought they I didn't think they were gonna be good enough to make the playoffs, but I thought they'd be a little bit better than they currently are right now. Right. And the main the main thing that I had with the the Pelicans was the way they were constructed, and I keep saying this like you can't have your guards be Bloodsoe and Lonzo who who were doing terrible. Last season, at the beginning of the season, at the three. Then you have um, Ingram, who who needs, like, that mid-range because that's his game. Zion, who needs to drive. And then Steven Adams, who, you know, he can't leave the paint because that's his game, too. So the, just clogging up all of that, I just thought, I was always like, how are they going to make it work? Like, I don't know if Steph Van Gundy can make this team work. Because even if you look at um, even the Magic, back when uh, Steph Van Gundy was coaching the Magic, we had, we had shooters. We had um, Rashard Lewis, who was our power forward, so you know he was able to stretch the floor for for Dwight Howard, and you know you had you had shooters who who could stretch that floor. And when you ha- when you look at the Pelicans, who their star players need that paint, for you just bring in more players who clog that up. I didn't I didn't I didn't understand why they did that.
0: I wouldn't mind seeing JJ Redick in the starting lineup because he's a guy you know who knows his role. He He's a vet, so he knows how to play. Especially, you know, he's played for Stan Van Gundy. This is going to be his fifth season playing for Stan Van Gundy. So he's a guy who knows the system and everything like that. And he's he's a, another shooter. You know, you can never have too many shooters on the floor. So I think J.J. Reddit would be a solid addition to that starting lineup, but it may be too late.
1: You know, they, they that's something they really should have done since like the start of the season. Have yeah. JJ there for that—that that shooting. Because I don't even understand why they—they they kept the blood cell. I think they were—I thought they were gonna trade him, but then they decided to keep it. I was like, there was so many question marks going on in my head. Like, what are, <laughs> what are the Pelicans doing?
0: So the next team I got as underperforming so far in this season is the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I think the Hawks haven't really been performing as well as I thought they would, you know, with all the additions that they've gotten so far, you know, with Gallinari and Bogdanovich from the Kings and, you know, Rondo and Chris Dunn, I thought they'd be performing a lot better and would make them a playoff team. But so far, you know, it hasn't been that way. And they have been hit with the injury bug a lot. You know, uh, Chris Dunn, he's been injured with, uh, he's been having an ankle injury. Uh, he ended up having surgery on that. You know, Rondo. He's having back issues, and then you know Bogdanovich. He's been out since uh, earlier this month. So it, they've been hit. They've been hit with the injury bug, really. So that's been pretty bad. But I even through all that, I thought they would have enough. You know, acquisitions to make them a better playoff team and put them into the playoff con- contention. But so far, it hasn't really been the case.
1: You know, yeah, cuz the Hawks also looked like a team like when they when they signed all these players in the offseason, it looked like they were going to be a pretty deep team. So even if they got like the injuries, the injury bug that they just recently received, I thought they were they were still going to be good enough to make it to the playoffs just because of how how deep they were with all them crazy signings that they did this offseason. Yeah. So it's pretty it's pretty crazy to see them be there, be, you know, not making the playoffs when they when they're such a deep team.
0: Exactly. You know, they had a lot of signs, like a whole lot. Like, they, I thought they had one of the best free agencies, you know, over the offseason. But I guess I didn't really think of how well that they all would gel together in a sense and if there would be any t- sort of chemistry there. But, uh, yeah, they haven't been playing as well as, as I thought they would.
1: Yeah. And I think I think. There's been also like a lot of teams who have been hit with the injury bug this season. Who has really gone into that route of the kind of underperforming just because they've been injured so much. So like you know like the Hawks are that one of those teams. Then you have teams like the Heat. The Heat are like one of those teams who have been who went to like the finals. So then you would think you know they'd be at the top of the conference. And right now they're they're like tenth. In in their conference, so and a lot of that had to do with like Jimmy Butler being out, and like Jimmy Butler is that team.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, I I was gonna put the Heat on my list, but then I thought of you know how much Jimmy Butler means to that team, and you know how much their loss you know without him. Shout out Robin Thicke. But um, I thought that they would you know. I didn't really ex- expect them to have that much, you know, improvement this year because, you know, Jimmy Butler, he means a lot to that team. Like he's the heart and soul of that team and he's their leader. So to not have him, you know, they're gonna just be lost. So I didn't really expect that much of a heat without Jimmy Butler. Bam, he's gonna be bam, but is there anybody else else on that team that's gonna elevate them? As much as Jimmy does. And you know, and they've had plenty of other injuries, you know, Avery Bradley, you know, players Gorndraj, you know, players of like that who are important to the rotation. So the heat they just I think they just been hit with the injury bug, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna make their way back into the playoffs.
1: Definitely. Hopefully, hopefully with Jimmy Butler, you know, they couldn't they could step it back up and make it back to like the playoffs where, where we expected them to be. Facts. So another team that I kind of had been underperforming was the Washington Wizards. Mm. The Wizards, I did not think that they were going to be this bad. Because, you know, last time they were bad, but it was because Beal was carrying them. So I thought this season, at least now you at least now you have Westbrook. So you kind of have a, like another star that could help Beal. But, you know, Westbrook has, I guess, been injured throughout the season. And it, it's been a lot of the same thing like the Wizards have had to be carried by Bradley Bales scoring like 40 and 50 every night for them to actually be even close to winning anything.
0: See, the thing about the Wizards is they have no, they have a lack of veterans and they have like, and they don't really have any leaders like that within the locker room sense. Like you have outside of your starting lineup, you really don't have that many, you know, solid pieces. Yes. You saw Robin Lopez, who's a very solid center. You know, he's a guy that will give you valuable minutes uh, as a big man, but, You know, coming off the bench, it's not really that much that the Wizards have, and they're not really that deep of a team. You know, when you think of the Wizards, first thing you think of Bradley Bill and then Russell Westbrook, and then who do you have after that? You have nobody. So I'm not really surprised on that. I just think they're they're just not a very good team right now, and they don't have the pieces necessary.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I say they're they're underperforming, I mean more in the sense of like thought they'd be higher. Like I didn't think they were probably gonna make the playoffs just because it's a team that when they constructed it, they have literally no no defense. Thanks. They're right now they're they're twenty six in defensive rating, so they're just a terrible team. So I thought, but I I thought at least it would be like in the play in tournament, trying to like at least compete to maybe be in the playoffs. I mean, not that's make not bad, it man. though.
0: Twenty six is bad because it's not thirty.
1: It's it's still pretty bad. It's not thirty though. It's still pretty bad. They can't they can't defend anything. It's, remember remember Bradley Beal. I think he had a quote where he was saying like they can't defend anything right now. <laughs> like they really can't defend anything. I remember
0: when I seen the video. It was like late. It was late in the. It was late in the game. I forgot who they were playing. It was like a week ago or something. And uh, they passed the ball to Danny Obdia. and then Abdiel called for the ball. Right. It was the end of the game, and then Abdiel called for the ball, and then. Obdia looked away, and then he threw the ball out of bounds, and then Bradley Bill was just on the bench, like, just ashamed of his teammates. Like,
1: why am I here? Yeah, the Wizards are or something else, man. Yeah. But the last team that I have that's um, underperforming is the Dallas Mavericks. I had I had so much hope for the Dallas Mavericks this season because I I was I was looking at back at the that Clippers versus Mavericks series and the Mavericks did absolutely amazing I, and I thought if the Mavericks had Porzingis in that in that series it could it could have gone a different route the 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 Dallas might have even won that series.
0: Right.
1: So I had high hopes for them coming into this season and I thought they were you know they were going to be in a high playoff Team and right now they're they're really not that. They and they're right now tenth, um, in their conference. And I just I just thought they'd be in the playoffs right now.
0: I don't know how how much longer they can go with just Luca in a sense because you know Luca he's the guy on that team. He's the only guy that I can see in that in the offense in the in the starting lineup that can create his own offense that can you know create his own shot that can just how much more can you ask of one player who's doing everything on the team? And yes, it's a lot of pressure and yes, he's built for it, but if it's not going to take them a long way, if it's just Luca, yes, you have. And I, I think that's why they bought Chris Tapp's Przingis, to, you know, to relieve the burden of Luca, but then he's been injured in and out of the lineup. So he's not helping that much either. And he hasn't been that healthy since his rookie year, really. So, He's been he's been in and out of lineups, you know, with injury and everything like that. So I don't know how far the Mavericks can go with just Luca being the guy.
1: Yeah, I think the the Mavericks really need someone else there to have to help Luka because Porzingis his injury history is really not helping them. And also, I think the Mavericks did a, a bad thing when they traded away Seth Curry because Seth Curry was an amazing shooter for that team. And then they traded him away, and now now that's one of the reasons they're struggling. Like, who who else is going to be there, like the shooter on that team?
0: Yeah, I don't think Josh Richardson really can fulfill that role that Seth Curry did where, you know, you can just have that guy who's just ready to shoot and he shoots it at an efficient clip. So, the it's, it's a high chance of it going in. So, I don't think Josh, Josh Richardson was really the right fit next to a guy like Luka who... Who who needs shooters around him? You know his game. You know the way he plays. He's most mostly an ISO player. You know pick and roll guy. So you need a guy like him that if the pick and roll doesn't work and he's trying to drive to the basket, he needs a guy that could that he could pass out to to shoot the three. So like a guy like Luka, you need shooters around them, and I don't think the Mavericks really have that many.
1: Yeah, I think yes, the Mavericks made some mistakes this season, and they they that it, the Mavericks are a team that I thought should have been way higher for sure. This season. All right, so that's basically all the teams that I had underperforming. So now that we've gone through teams overperforming, underperforming, now it's time to look at the players who have over and underperformed. We can start off with players you think have overperformed this season.
0: So one player I think that's overperformed so far is Jeremy Grant. Uh, He's having a career year this year. You know, he's averaging 23 points a game. You know, he's up to scoring. It's the first time in his career he's ever averaged 20 points, over 20 points a game. Um, many are having him as one of the front runners for most improved player of the year along with Christian Wood, but, you know, Christian Wood's injured now. So he's pretty much the front runner right now for most improved player of the year. And he's pretty much been playing up to his contract so far. You know, many question, you know, Jeremy Grant, $20 million a year, but so far he's shown that he's that guy and he can be a number one option on a team. So Jeremy Grant has really surprised me this year.
1: Um, yep, completely agree with you. Jeremy Grant has been playing amazing this year. And you know, we've we've kind of talked about Jeremy Grant when we had him as the player of the podcast a few podcasts ago. You know, he's been playing out of his mind basketball and he's really he's really the only one who could necessarily score on that that Pistons team. But not just that, he's also a player who can defend too like if you need you need someone to defend the best player on the other team jeremy grant's gonna do that and then he could he could defend the other the other team's best player and and drop forty on you
0: yeah I think he's gonna be a key piece for that pistons rotation you know over years to come and he's gonna be the marquee guy that they need because you know pistons are going through a rebuilding stage so they're going to need a guy a number one guy and i feel like he can fill that role and be that number one guy for
1: them. yep you know he's been shooting 43 percent from the field and 37 from the three so he's been doing pretty pretty decent there and you know again carrying that little offense will be for that team for sure for sure
0: another player that i had that is overperforming is Julius Randle of the New York Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle, he's been playing just out of his mind this year. Uh, I think really Tom Thibodeau has really motivated in him, motivated him this year. And you know, as I said earlier, where Julius Randle, you know, wants a wants a coach that's going to hold him accountable, and Tom Thibodeau is holding him accountable. You know, he uh, he's he's showing Julius Randle that you're our guy. You're going to be our number one guy, and Julius Randle's been playing like it. He's having a career year. Uh, 23 points, uh, 10 rebounds, five assists. He's on track to be the first Knicks player to ever average 20, 10, and five. So at the pace that Julius Randle is playing at right now, he can he can have a historic year for the Knicks. You know, being the first guy to ever achieve that. So Julius Randle, he's playing great this year. He's been a guy I liked them for a really long time, Paul. He's been a really good, good. <laughs> <laughs> He's been a really good player, you know, and he's been playing really well this year. You know, he's, this is not the first year that he's averaged over 20 points a game, but you know, for him to just have such an all around game and, you know, he's shooting a career high from three, you know, at four, at a 40% clip, Julius Randall, he's just playing the best basketball of his career right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Julius Randall has been playing amazing this season. It's kind of, he's kind of, Um, fit into the Knicks and kind of understood what his role is. And I think that's a big part of why he's been overperforming this this season and really done great because I think back when he was on on the Lakers and even on the Pelicans, it was like, there was other players who like the team went to more. So it was kind of like Julius Ronald had to figure out where he fit in. But with the Knicks, it's kind of like, okay, Julius Ronald, what what do you see yourself being at? And he's been able to, to, you know, really embrace that and be like that person of, I think I could play make. I think I could score. I think I could rebound and kind of like try to do a bit of everything, but also do it on an efficient clip. All right. He seems like a guy who wants
0: to be, he wants to be challenged. He wants to be accountable. He wants to be held accountable. So, to have a coach like Tibbs that's gonna, you know, bring that out of you is, is just only gonna make him better, and it's showing. And he could be a first time All Star this year.
1: I mean, he could. I think the, the All Star, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of packed. So I think he, he might be one of those. Might. Okay, it is. It is. Might. Packed. It is packed. Might. the All Stars. Might. He might. He might be a snub this season. Honestly. What? No. I think he might be. No. Knowing the NBA, we're gonna get a, a lot of people who are snubs, and we're gonna be mad. And Nah, bro. He um, might be one. If, you never if, know, if bro. They
0: if they don't pick him, that's that's a try. That's a diss. You, you,
1: you, you know, you know how the y'all story is, bro. You like all, there's always that one person.
0: So another player that I had so far, uh, that's overperforming. Uh statistic oh my gosh. Statistically. Statistically. All right. You know what I mean? Shout out Dr. Seuss. Um, statistically, I think so far he's not gonna show because he's, I don't think his game is not really going to show statistically that he's playing pretty well. But so far, I think Hamadou Diallo's been overperforming this year. You know, I think he's taking his game to another level this year. Um, I think he's handling the ball a lot. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. Continue, continue. Uh, where can I finish? Yeesh. But I think uh, Hamadou Diallo, I think he's playing a lot, much better basketball this year than I thought he would so far in the season. Uh, he's doubled his scoring average. You know, last year he was averaging – 6 points a game and now this year he's averaging 12 points a game, you know, he's shooting better close to 50% from the field so far this year and he's just and you know he's had a much larger role, larger role this year and you know he's he's bought he's bought into it. Um he's handling the ball a lot more than he did last year. He you know he's kind of playing that that combo guard for us this year and he's been playing really well. So I had to shout shout out Hamadou Diallo.
1: I that okay, see Bias coming in. Right it's not there? even
0: Bias though. Like he's been really I think he's been like his stats. The thing is, his stats are not going to show. You have to watch our games and to to see the leap that he's made from this year to from from last year to this year. I think it has to be go on notice. Now, I'm not saying he needs to be in the running for most improved player of the year. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying from watching our games, from watching the film, he's really improved his game and he has over overperformed to me.
1: Okay, so I think there is a little bit of bias there from there you being no an okay bias. Okay, okay, let me talk, bro. I think there's a, a tiny, a tiny little bit of bias there, but I do agree with you. Cause I think this season he actually has a role to him. Like I think he's he's your sixth man, right? He's like the your sixth man of that team, and I right. think he's he's embraced that role and he's he's fitting in very well. So I think he has improved in that since compared to last season.
0: Right. Fuck it. If it's biased, then goddamn Aaron Gordon is overperforming this year too. Shit.
1: Aaron Gordon's injured. What are you talking exactly.
0: about? So it's not bias.
1: Okay. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Back. Back. Um. It, do you Do you have anybody else who you think is overperforming? I'm all out. Um. I'm all out too. You basically said the ones I was thinking of. So now we could go into. Even Homie? I mean, not Homie, but I. I, ag- I. I mean, I agree with you. He has been better than last season. Thank so. You. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll I'll, I'll fit into your little bias <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Um, now we could talk about players who are underperforming. Oh man.
0: Okay, so one player that I think that's underperforming so far that I'm sure many agree with as well is Jamal Murray. You know, after seeing his performance in the bubble and how he was playing against Donovan Mitchell and everything like that, and how he was leading the Nuggets along with Yochik, you know, to those to those wins in playoff series, you know, to come back from three one back to and back to back series, that's you know, that's that's tough, you know. And Jamal Murray, he was playing amazing in the bubble. But this year, that sort of performance hasn't really translated over this year so far. You know, he's he's up to scoring. You know, he's averaging 20 points a game. But that that impact that he showed that, you know, many after seeing him in the bubble, many were uh, thinking of him as, you know, one of the next league superstars. So to see him play like he is now isn't is it doesn't translate.
1: Yeah, so I agree with that because Jamal Murray coming out of that bubble, I thought, you know, he finally took that next step to be, like, that great score that needs to be next to Nikola Jokic. But this isn't, you know, just, just 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, and I think yeah, I, I think he's better than that. And I don't know if it's, like, he's not understanding his role. Maybe the offense has, it's different compared to, like, the bubble. But there's something there because just the other night he had a 50-point game. So, how do you have a 50-point game one night, but then the next night you drop, like, 16, 18? Exactly. So, like, there's something there that's bothering Jamal Murray. And he needs to, you know, figure out maybe his role on the team, you know, maybe his shooting. Um, talk to his girl a little bit. Maybe that'll help. Yo,
0: yo you wildin'. <laughs> Yo, you wildin'. It's not, it's not that type of podcast, bro.
1: But anyway, you you know Jamal. Jamal just he needs to step it up and kind of beat at Jamal that he was in the bubble.
0: Shorty was going crazy. <laughs> oh, <God.
1: laughs>
0: Shorty was going crazy, bro. Like damn. But yeah, yeah. Jamal Murray. Uh, I think he needs to play better. And also, you know, the contract that he was given. You know, well, not given. I get he earned it, but you know, five year, one hundred seventy million dollars. Like that's that's. Thirty over thirty million dollars a year, and you gotta you gotta play up to that contract.
1: Yeah, that's that's he's he's getting paid. I need I need you to score more yeah. if you're getting paid like that. Especially you're you're a shooting, you're the point guard of that team, but you're like primarily you're not in charge of playmaking because Jokic is in charge of playmaking. So all you really have to be in charge of shooting, and then you're you're struggling with it.
0: That's literally perfect for him. That's literally perfect because he doesn't have to play make. He doesn't have to you know do the normal askings of a point guard because you have a point center. On your team, all you have to do is, you know, be ready to hit open shots and, you know, do what you gotta do. But hopefully, it'll click sometime soon.
1: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully as the season goes, you know, we'll see, we'll see Bubble Jamal come back. We'll see
0: another player that I thought, um, I think is overperforming so far this year. Also, is Russell Westbrook. Um, the team. Isn't that good. So I'm not blame putting all the blame on Russell Westbrook. But as a player, I thought he would be performing a lot better this year. You know, uh, he's averaging eight only 18 points a game, uh, nine assists a game, nine rebounds a game. And the rebounds and assists are normal, don't get me wrong. But the points, I thought they would be a lot higher. And also, you know, he's taking the trip back to you know his rookie year in regards to his field goal percentages, you know, he's shooting only 40% from the field, which he hadn't shot that low since his rookie sophomore year, you know, so Russell Westbrook, he you know, it seems like he's taking the time, time travel, you know, back, the time
1: machine, back time to. machine
0: back, you know, on his Benjamin Button shit. But like, <laughs> um, I think Russell Westbrook, you know, I thought he was going to play a lot better, you know, I thought he would, and I thought he would, you know, play a little bit better along with Bill, you know, having a, an amazing two guard like Bill, who, you know, is unselfish you know and it's just I thought he would play perfect with a guy next to Bill but Russell Westbrook Westbrook, he hasn't been the player that we're normally used to seeing and I think he's just been underperforming a lot this year
1: yeah I agree with that um just like you said he took that time machine and just his field goal and three-point has been absolutely terrible this season that Benjamin Button bro okay um his rebounds and assists are still there. I don't know if that's like how good Westbrook is or more of a stat chasing type of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know because his his points has down and I thought him going to the the Wizards was good because the Wizards was one of the few teams where kind of like the whole team could space out the floor in a sense. Like Bio can shoot. Um their small forward. what did they use? Um Denny Abdia. Oh, Denny Abdia or someone else they could shoot and um their four. What's his name? What there for, uh, Wagner. No, no, Wagner. Well, Wagner could also shoot. Please. He just got paid. Um, Bryant. Yep. Thomas Bryant. Right. Yep. No, not Thomas Bryant. Thomas. Bryant. What are you talking about, bro? Who am I talking about? Who am I talking about? Birdtans. Birdtans. is an amazing oh, shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been he's been kind of struggling this season, yeah. but you know he he was an amazing shooter. So Westbrook has shooters there, so he could drive, and then it, everything's still down. So I don't understand why.
0: Yeah, Russell Westbrook, I don't I don't know. I think he just – maybe – you can't even, like, blame it on, like, he lacks help because he has Bradley Bill, you know. But the team, like we were saying earlier, the team is really not that good. So, for us, you know, Russell Westbrook, he's always had, you know, solid players on his teams when you think about it. You know, OKC, he had, you know, of course he had KD and Harden. But even after they left, you know, he had – victor ladipo one year you know he had stephen adams who was solid center you know players of that nature so this is kind of new for russell westbrook also because he's used to having talent around him a lot of talent around him. but now this year you know it's it's not that way
1: you know but westbrook's also a guy that i could kind of look at it in um looking back when it was just he was like the main guy in okc and he kind of brought that okc team to the playoffs I kind of viewed him as a player who you could you could put on a team and he'll make his teammates better. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was expecting from him, what he would do here on the Wizards, but that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah, no. You know, I don't think he's built for like a t- for like a rebuild in a sense. Like, cause the Wizards, I think they're they're in the rebuilding stage. To be honest, like as bad as they are right now, I, they they have to rebuild.
1: To go tell the Wizards that because they don't understand that. Like oh trade, tra- trade 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 Bill and just rebuild, and then they don't want to do it.
0: Uh, I mean, does Bill want to leave though? That's the thing. Okay. He says in the media, he says he wants to leave. I think he's trying to, you know, do his Damian Lillard thing. Then at, at least, at
1: least build a team around Bill, because the team is it's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's the
0: thing. They need, they need to build a team around Bill or something. He needs help. Yeah, the something,
1: team. something has to happen.
0: That team needs Jesus.
1: Yeah, and then the last person who I had. Do you have any, any more? No, I'm, all, no? No, I'm all done. Um, I had one more person who I think has been underperforming this season and it's it's kind of him being overperforming as well as him being injured and that's Kimball Walker mm. Kimball Walker has only played 14 games this season that's, he's he's been injured a lot this season but now look at his numbers from when he has been playing he's only averaging 17 points close to four rebounds, four assists, but then his shooting has also been awful. He's shooting 38 from the field, who is actually even worse than Westbrook, and 37 from the three-point range. So he's he just hasn't been Kim, the Kemba Walker that we know. You know, the Kemba Walker who we know to carry that Hornets team, and the Kemba Walker who, who who was fitting into to Boston and playing so well last season. And this season, he's just a different player.
0: Yeah, like you said, you know, the injuries have really held him back this year. But he also, you know, even coming back from the injuries, he still hasn't been the same player that we're normally used to seeing, you know, that score, that guy that can just go get his own bucket. You know, he hasn't been playing the same this year. He doesn't have that same pep to his step this year, you know, and maybe it's because of the injury. Maybe it's because the Boston Celtics don't have the necessary pieces that they had last year around them. But it doesn't seem like the same player that we're used to seeing.
1: Yeah, and then I think the, the Celtics desperately need Kimball to be like the same Kimba as last year for them to be able to do anything this season. And this is just a completely different player that we've never seen before with how bad he's been performing. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so now as the episode is coming to a close, it is time for this week's player and game of the podcast. Yes, sir. So first off, the player of the podcast is...
0: Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, for the past two weeks, Damian, Dame's been going crazy. Dame Dollar, he's been going insane. You know, he's one of the clutchest, clutchest players in the league. You know, there's no better player to have in a close game situation than Damian Lillard. You know, he he's cold-blooded. You know, he he's nocturnal. He's all that stuff, you know. He's just, he's not human, you know, when it comes to, clutch situations, you know, he's led his team to, you know, a six and a record over the past two week two weeks, you know, over some tough, you know, opponents, you know, you had this, the Sixers who's the number one team in the East currently, you know, Dallas, who's never an easy game, you know, and you know, the teams like the Pelicans and things of that nature. So the, He's had some tough battles over the past 2 weeks but you know he's able to he's been able to endure and that's just who Damian Lillard is. You know, he's he's had over 30 points in in 5 of those 6 games and he's just been going crazy those past 6 games.
1: Yeah, now just to add to that like you you mentioned how he had over 30 points in like um those games and then look at the the assist too. He's had three games where he's had over ten assists, right. and one of those games he he missed ten assists by like oh, one one assist. So you know he's he's really bringing up another step where it's like now it's not just Damian Lillard the 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 scorer carrying the team on the scoring side. He's also carrying that team on the on the playmaking and assist side too.
0: Yeah, that's true because I never really thought of Damian Lillard as sort of a playmaker in the sense. I just used to think you know primarily as a scorer. You know what I mean? So to see him, you know, be able to just expand his game a bit and to just be able to show that he could play make as well as a true point guard, you know, that's it's nice to see.
1: Yep, you know, um he's has been doing amazing at, at this stretch and it's uh he's really propelled that that team up higher in the standards because of how well he's been playing. And you know, you you always got to love looking at Damian Lillard just shooting threes from the logo and stuff like
0: that. Especially he's doing this all without his backcourt mate. Um CJ McCollum, who's, you know, who's another scorer that can give you buckets as well. So for him to just be able to just continue to carry his team without his backcourt mate and, and without his starting center as well, you know, is just shows what kind of player he is and the kind of heart he has.
1: Yep, you know it's just that that never give up type of attitude that Damian Lillard has. He's gonna go out there and play the best basketball that he could play to try to get this team into the playoffs. And like you know, you have mentioned before, Damian Lillard wants to win with this team, and you know he's proving it now. He like you said, he we didn't see him as a playmaker. Now he's adding that to his game because he wants to improve and he wants to to lead this team somewhere.
0: For sure, he's tough. So congrats, Dame.
1: So next up, we have the game of the podcast, and it is...
0: Trailblazers versus the Pelicans. Uh, The score ended up... The Trailblazers ended up winning uh, 126 to 124. Uh, Damon Lillard, of course, you know, who was the player of the podcast, you know, he had another great game. Uh, Had 43 points, 16 assists, and, you know, pretty much led the team to a dub. He had a really important uh game game winning not game winning but game game closing uh and one layup uh towards the end of the game uh with a few seconds left on the clock and he ended up clutching the free throw and bringing the the team up by four and uh he's just pretty much just been playing amazing and he pretty much led that team to that dub and zion also you know not to even discredit the pelicans zion had a great game. You know, he had 36 points, uh, six rebounds, four assists, which has pretty much come to become a normal game from Zion. Even though he's so young, that's just the kind of talent that he has in his young career. So yeah, Zion, he's been playing well. And it was good to see uh, the Pelicans play uh, Kyra Lewis, who's their rookie that they just drafted. It's good to see him get some playing time. And he seems to be a promising young guard for the Pelicans' future.
1: Yep, agree with all the points you said. It was it was really an exciting game because it wasn't just a, a one-sided game. Um, you had, you know, the first half, the the Trailblazers were winning it, and then the Pelicans just came out on that that second quarter and just went crazy. They they outscored them 30 to, 39 points to twenty-four points. So, you know, it was kind of like that back and forth. And, you know, it's always it's always exciting when you have games that are once you get to the end of it, they're really close. So that shot by by Damian Lillard was great, and then the Pelicans were doing great. Um, the last shot that they took as a as a team collectively was a little questionable in my end. Oh yeah, I wasn't really really happy with it, especially especially like Lonzo shot that that long range three.
0: Oh, who
1: do you think he was? Not, he must have thought he was like little Steph Hello? Curry or something, His little brother. Yeah. Probably because I don't I don't know. He had like seven seconds left on the clock. Like why I he shot that shot. I'm like, I was looking back, I was like, wait, it's it's like do they have like a second left on the shot clock or something? Like it made no sense for him to shoot that shot. And then they grabbed it the back and they really couldn't do anything else.
0: Also, you know, one of their key players, you know, uh, Brandon Ingham, he had a really off game. You know, he went four from twelve. From the field, his shot really wasn't falling that that night, and you know, it, and it showed. And the Pelicans really needed his production that game, and he couldn't produce. But give it, give it up. You gotta give it up to the Trailblazers. You know, they played hard. You know, they played hard all night, and they got the dub. You know, Gary Gary Trent, he had a pretty solid game as well. You know, he had 23 points. Uh, he made five out of ten of his three point shots, and he's a very, really solid player who I think is gonna develop into a really good, you know, three and D player. That many teams are gonna, you know, s- sought after.
1: Yeah, the pe- the pe- um not the Pelicans, the Trailblazers players have really come in to really understand another team. The players are kind of better understanding their role, especially Trent Jr. Now that he's in that starting lineup with Dame, he's kind of learning and gotten better to know how to play with Dame. And you know, back back to Lonzo and his that that three point was terrible, but overall Lonzo had a pretty decent three point shooting game. He was That's... he was five out of ten, and it's like it's good to see that Lonzo's you know getting more confident, getting his three point shot back to to how he we originally thought Lanzo's shot was gonna be up. True. True. So overall, congrats to this game because it was a good and exciting game.
0: Yeah, amazing. <laughs>